Welcome to the Hellraiser Podcast. Hello there. Welcome to episode 45 of the Hellraiser Podcast. Hey, we're back. Hello. Hello, this hey. is Peter and that is Phil. Hello. And today we're going to be talking about Clive Barker's new book, The Scarlet Gospels, mm. which has been talking about for a long time, came out last May, and we were very excited when it first came out, wanted to do a podcast then and there, but unfortunately couldn't quite get together at this, that time, so we're doing it now, but it's fine. It's fine. It's still there, and it exists, and we are still here, <laughs> and we still exist. Yes. So it's all good. We apologise for the delay. Again. Again. <laughs> but it's all, it's all right. Also, we're both sick, again. We both have colds. But yeah. apart from that, sorry about all the sniffs. Sorry. But here we are, and we're going to be talking about the Scarlet Gospels, and also, while we're here, there's some, been some breaking news the last few days. Whoa. There's a brand new Hellraiser film being made as we speak. Good Lord. I know. Hellraiser 10, which is, we believe it's called Judgment. Judgment. Hellraiser Judgment. Mm. So we're going to be talking about this at the end of the podcast, because there's, there's quite a lot of information that's come out, and it's, some of it's a bit spoilerific, so... After our Scarlet Gospels chat, we'll talk about Judgment then. And if you don't want to know anything about it and you just want to wait till it comes out, you can just skip that bit. Yeah. If you don't want to hear all the information that we have gleaned so far, we'll mm. talk about it at the end of the podcast. Mm-hmm. All you need to know is it's called Judgment. It's going to be coming out end of this year, hopefully. And it's written and directed by Gary Tunnicliffe, who yeah. has been doing lots of things in the Hellraiser world for many years. Mm. Mm, good for him. Good for him. Also, I'll say this now. It's got Heather Langenkamp in it, who's in, who was Nancy in the original Nightmare on Elm Street. Yeah. And it's Nightmare on Elm Street Part 3, The Dream Warriors. The Dream Warriors. Which is the it's best one of, one of my faves. I think. Good. Right. So that's that happening at the end. So enjoy that. Get ready for it. Prepare yourselves. <laughs> <laughs> and now, The Scarlet Gospels. Mm-hmm. Hush. Rogowski said suddenly, Listen. There was a silence among them for a moment, and then a funereal bell chimed softly in the distance. Oh, Christ, Lily said. It's his bell. The dead man laughed. He's found you. So Clive Barker's been talking about this book for a very long time, ever since the 1990s. Yeah. And it's always been, I'm going to write a book where Pinhead dies. This will be the end of Pinhead. Yes. Because I'm going to kill him off. Mm Mm-hmm. And then, especially when Inferno came out, he was very vocal about that, saying, this film was crap, and I'm going to write this book, and it's going to kill Pinhead, and I'm going to do it properly, so there'll be no more films. Yeah. Which, I don't know if he thought that would actually happen. Like, if Dimension films would go, oh dear, he's killed him. Oh, we, we, we can't do any more yeah. films. <laughs> so that probably wouldn't have happened, Clive, sorry about that. And it probably won't happen now, as we're proving, because it isn't happening. Anyway, <laughs> he's been talking about this book, and having Harry Damore in it, who was, of course, in The Last Illusion short story from the Books of Blood. Mm-hmm. Also, that turned into a film, as you know. I do know. Lord of Illusions. Yes. With Scott Bakula Scott playing Quantum Harry Leap. Scott Quantum Leap. Bakula. So you've got Doug Bradley and Scott Bakula in meeting each other in hell. <laughs> <laughs> but there are a lot of other things have changed from what Clive originally said he was going to write. We'll talk about that a bit later on, I think. We won't go into that now. Mm. But basically, people were very excited about this for a... For a couple of decades yeah a and long time and finally came out and and it was much smaller than we thought it was going to be yes so you talk i about was this shocked. massive chunky huge book yeah and uh, it had a lot of editing and it's less than half the size it was at one point yeah so again we'll talk about that later on i think hmm. going to what could have been and what he said was going to be in it that isn't mm-hmm. uh we'll do that later so it doesn't get confused with what it is in it <laughs> which we'll talk about now right so we begin with Pinhead dispatching all the magicians in the world, which is quite a bold beginning. It is. I really like it. I did. I think it was brilliant. I yeah, so this, this scene had me going. I was like, wow, yeah. amazing. Yeah, so the first scene is, uh, is them resurrecting a dead magician who's been killed by Pinhead to get his help. There's only five of them left now, and there were hundreds of magicians. Pinhead has been going around killing them all. Mm. At this point, we're not quite sure why. Unfortunately, because they did this magic... Pinhead manages to find them. Yeah. And he turns up. He turns up. Uh-oh. Which is great. Yeah, it's brilliant. This is this is really... This is like real Hellraiser stuff. Yeah, I really enjoyed reading this. It was just so good. I was very excited about the whole book. And then they all get dispatched, but one. Mm. In quite horrible, gory, grisly detail, which yeah. is fantastic. Which is great. <laughs> yeah. It's really visceral. You've got hooks and chains... 
all sorts of things. He makes one of them pregnant. He makes a woman pregnant, and she gives birth to a demon baby. Mm. That's a bit weird. That old classic. That old chestnut. And while she's becoming pregnant over the space of a few minutes, he gets someone else to pretend to be a dog and have sex with her from behind. Yes. That old classic. <laughs> yeah, we've all been there. Yeah. Uh, oh. <laughs> and everyone else gets ripped apart. And fantastic moment where the guy that's been resurrected, the dead guy who's now alive again, who basically is trying to get himself killed again, so he's like, before Pinhead arrives. Which is brilliant. Trying to undo the magic. Pinhead gets a tiny worm and puts it in his oh, head. Oh, yes. And the worm it infests him with eggs. That mm. are, and he's just full of these horrible creatures that devour him from the inside. It's brilliant. It's really horrible. Yeah, it's that's awesome. <laughs> Thank you for that, Clive. And we end up with the demon baby who grows into a woman and then wanders off. And we never wanders off. see her again. No. That's a bit strange. Yeah. I thought for most of the book she would turn up again. Or she would turn up at the end. Yeah. Or something. Yeah. But no. 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 And then one of the magicians, Theodore Felixson, is taken by Pinhead into hell to be his slave, basically. Yeah. His this is like his henchman. Yeah. For the book. And he's very happy about this because he's not going to get killed. Mm. So he thinks, that's great. Everything will be fine. I'll mm-hmm. go and hide in hell and I'll be all right. Yeah. Let's hope he will be. Well, I'm sure he will. And then we cut to Harry, Harry Damore. So he's still a private investigator, often involved in occult cases, things to do with the supernatural. Yeah. And we also get a, a brief flashback to one of his first ever encounters with demons, mm. which is quite cool. Yeah. So it's back when Harry was a, a cop in New York, and he and his partner encounter this demon who's got sort of no face. He's all made of like just flesh that becomes a face later. And they interrupt a ritual, and they're trying to get out of there. Unfortunately, the partner doesn't realise it's demonic, so he yeah. tries to get involved. And the demon catches up with them and kills the partner by setting his head on fire. Yes. And then forcing Harry to watch while he pleasures himself. Yeah. Which is not a good day at the office. It's strong. Let's be honest. Yep. So this is very visceral and... Full on. It is full on. (laughs) Because the demon's got a big erection, gets Harry to spit in his hand so he can use his saliva to work himself. Yep. And it's a bit... Yeah. I mean, anyone that doesn't know Clive Barker's early stuff and, for example, might have just read... Aberat <laughs> and Imagica. Um, they might at this point go, um, um, this might not be for me. Yes. But luckily it is for us. It's very much so. It's very reminiscent of some of the stuff in the Books of Blood. Yeah, which I was really enjoying mm. at this point. You know, I'm really this, this was hailed as you know, Clive Barker's return to horror. Yeah. And it really does feel like that. Yeah. I mean, I love his all of his books. And I really love the the big sprawling fantasy ones. Like Weave World is my favourite, I think, of his. I think it's amazing. Right. And Magic is wonderful. But he he's got this grasp of horror that is sort of no no taboo, which is great. It's how it should be. Yeah. Some people shy away from certain things. And yeah. He doesn't. <laughs> he he said actually, I think it was in the nineties or the early noughties, He went back and reread the Books of Blood and thought, oh, that's a bit nasty. And he didn't quite know if he could get himself in the same place that he was when he wrote those mm. he's managed to find it again <laughs> for this one yeah big time so it's nice to give it a backstory for harry and then we're back with him in the in the present yeah and we've also introduced to norma Payne. yes collaborator yes who is an elderly black lady who lives in new york and talks to ghosts yeah so she can't see anything in the real world but she can see ghosts yeah and it's very Constantine, isn't it? This kind of mm. vibe of yeah. him investigating things. He's got his tattoos that oh, they're brilliant. Find out spirits and protect him and stuff. Yeah, his body's covered in protective tattoos, and everything's different. So if this one goes off on his shoulder, he knows that means one thing, and because one over here that means there's a ghost, but he's going to be all right. And yeah, it's brilliant. It's so clever. I think that's amazing. Yeah, he's walking along. He's, he just knows what's going to happen from which part of his body is itching. Yeah, buzzing. Yeah, <laughs> that's great. So he's been sent to New Orleans by Norma because a dead person came to Norma and said, could you help me out, please? He's a guy that uh, was a very nice man in life, but said he's got this little place in New Orleans he'd rather his family didn't find out about because there's a sex dungeon in it. (laughs) Yeah. So he was also into magic, we find out, and he says, can you just get rid of all this stuff that my family might find out about and just wipe it out? Which is a brilliant 
kind of Clive Barker twist on that thing of yeah. Well, if you, what if you died and then someone finds your porn magazines? <laughs> what do you yeah. do? You know, um, I think that's really funny. It's it great. <laughs> uh, yeah. So Harry goes to this guy's house, Carsten Good. The guy's name is. So he's at his 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 flat, his dungeon, sex dungeon flat in New Orleans. And he finds among the magical stuff a box. Mm. A puzzle box. The old lament configuration. Yeah. Mm. So it does say specifically there are lots of these. Yes. And they all work. Yeah. <laughs> and he opens... He And he knows about this as well. Yeah. He knows what it is and what it can do. But he still plays around with it for a bit. And here's an amazing thing that's never gone into in the films. He starts to play with it and gets an intense wash of pleasure... Yes. And he thinks, oh, that's amazing. Maybe if I did it a bit more, I'd get more pleasure. Mm. And that's so clever, because that's obviously why he carries on playing with it. And why people do, you know, yeah. would explain. And I guess that's what they're going for in some of the films, but it just doesn't mm. come across no. quite like that. No, that's never come across to me properly in the films, I don't think. And it makes total sense, the whole pleasure-pain thing. And, yeah. You know, yeah, you're going to get your reward when you open the box. And then something that is talked about in the films which some people laugh at is he sort of just decides this might not be a good idea and the box then opens itself yeah it does take over and it says right thank you that's you have begun I will now continue yeah and it does open it does finish and opens itself which we've kind of laughed at a bit in the films occasionally but yeah. in this it's actually quite scary yeah it is that you that you want to stop and yeah. the box is like no mm-hmm. we're going the whole way yeah. Uh, I think it's really good actually how it's written I do I think it's great it's very good mm. and then the doorway to hell opens nah. and he thinks I'll pick it out of here but I'll have a quick look first <laughs> he's a curious guy he is and he's been dealing with these demons for decades he, yeah this is his chance to look into hell yeah so he's going to have a go and then he goes he has a look over and he sees a figure and it turns out to be Felixson who's been Messed with. Messed with. Should we say. Um, his, his head's been split down the middle and an iron rod's been put in to hold it in place. But because of that, his eyes are pointing outwards. It's a really interesting idea. And it's, it's well yeah, written. It's a very cool kind of Cenobite-y way to make kind of a dumb yeah. uh, sort of Igor-esque. Yeah, and he can't really talk properly anymore. Henchman. I, I, I like I like what happens with his character throughout the book. You know, yeah. he's kind of hapless. He's person. like, I'm, I'm your dog. I'll be your dog. Yeah, I'll look after things for you. Yeah, just trying to sort of desperately stay dead, mm. alive. Yeah, for a bit longer, exist. Yeah, and it turns out this was a is all a trap. Really, the cast and good thing was a big trap, and he was bait to get Harry there to open the box. Mm. And we're still not quite sure why at this point. Yeah, and it turns into a competition. Pinhead basically says, right, you're going to fight this creature there, here, and if you die, you lose, and if you win, we'll talk further. Yeah. And there's a scuffle, there's a fight, Pinhead buggers off again into hell. Yeah. Harry does manage to win. Um, just not barely. easily. Yeah, yeah, just barely. <laughs> because Pinhead gives Felixson some weapons and says, right, go, you mad dog. Yeah. And he's like, I'll, I'll show you, master. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, he managed to escape, and he... he Managed to fall out the window onto the street and collapses. Which is very cool. It's very cool. And he's saved by some people. Mm-hmm. So in New Orleans, we then meet the character of Dale. Yes. Who is a bit of a psychic. He can see things in dreams, things that are going to happen. Mm-hmm. And he knew that Harry was going to be there. And he brings him back. And they sort of, they nurse him back to health. But it's before he wakes up, he can hear what's going on. And this other character, Freddy, comes in and gives him... A potion that's supposed to give him bad dreams to wake him up. Then there's a very odd moment where he has a dream. He wakes up, goes to the toilet, and there's a big sort of shit demon that fights him. (laughs) (laughs) And he realises if he dies, he will die. So he wakes up and realises that was a trap as well. Yes. And luckily Dale is a good guy and helps him get back on his feet and get out of there. Yeah. So it's all okay. Mm -hmm. Everything's fine. But the Pinhead story is also very interesting. Uh, first of all, the name Pinhead is mentioned a few times. Harry knows that he's called Pinhead. And it is very much that it's a nickname he's been given that he doesn't like. Which is a brilliant, yeah, <laughs> yeah. funny thing to put in Clive there. Because Clive's always been saying, I never called him that. Now someone else said that. Yeah. And it works completely for the character because someone has kind of 
vain almost as Pinhead wouldn't want yeah. to be called Pinhead. No, he's known know. as the Hell Priest the hell for priest. most of them. But he is called Pinhead in the narrative as well, though. Yes. Um, and it mentions a couple of times how... And also they're not pins, they're nails. <laughs> yeah, yeah. yeah. But Harry calls him that a few times just to piss him off because he knows it upsets him. Yeah. And that's quite fun. Now, he's got a plan. He's got quite a bold plan down in hell. It's a big one. It's a big one. And he's going to... He decides to kill all of the Cenobites, his whole order, mm. and then carry on to go somewhere else, which we'll, we'll come to later on. Now, yeah, what, what do you um, think of this moment? Uh, I liked it. <laughs> yeah. Um, I, I mean, we've already... Because of the comics, some of this stuff has already kind of played out in some respects a mm. little bit. So I was kind of already in the mode of him slaughtering his fellow Cenobites <laughs> and stuff. I wasn't... The first time I read it, I wasn't sure about this bit. But then I, I would think I was in the mindset of it being like one of the sequels. And it's this is the final story about Pinhead and the Cenobites. That's yeah. fine. But yeah. if it was going to be this one and then a few more yeah. with no Cenobites... I was a bit like, oh, no, don't kill all the Cenobites. <laughs> but because it's the last one, this is the final end story, I think yeah. it's fine. Mm-hmm. There's a moment where he kills the female Cenobite and Butterball as well. Yeah. Briefly. He just sort of, she's sort of glossed over. And then he has a little fight with Butterball. Yeah. He turns up. She's pretty awesome. He's like, oh, you killed us, you bastards. Oh. And oh, I was like, yes, I did, and I will now kill you more. And breaks all his fingers and oh, it's horrible. I thought I th- they were friends. <laughs> uh, I think, um, and I don't know whether this is just me wanting something and that would ruin it, but I think I could have done with a bit more of this. Yeah? Like, it could have been... He, Clive could have really extended it, and it would have... I think we would have loved it, do you know what I mean? Mm. But but then that, maybe that's just wanting something that would have ruined it. Do you, do you know what I maybe mean Maybe he that? did originally, but then took it out in the edit. Yeah. And he thought it was a bit too much just for fans. Yeah, because it sort of would be fan service, I guess. Yeah. But I would but really enjoy it. <laughs> that would have been good for us. Yeah. Yeah. I guess so. I guess you have to make it to as wide an audience as you can, really. Mm. But hey. Yeah, it would have been... It would have been my... Where's Chatterer as well? Yeah, I mean, I kind Do of... Do I think? Maybe Clive likes Chatterer so much he didn't want to kill him. He didn't want to kill him. He's just, it. like, off in a room somewhere. Yeah. He was on holiday at the time. He's Chattering. Right. Chattering away to himself. Skyping someone. <laughs> That would be a conversation and a half. <laughs> you you can imagine that he could have written this like epic showdown mm. with all these different things going on, but it, it, in a way, it's sort of a little bit like oh, yeah, oh, he's, oh, oh, they're all dead. They're all dead. Oh, okay, right, interesting. Yeah, and the way he does it is quite good fun. He makes these sort of origami birds, yeah, that fly off and they kill everyone, and they've they've got some kind of a magical poison in them that makes everyone bleed to death. Mm. It's pretty nasty. Yeah. We just mentioned this point that there's a, an earlier scene where Pinhead is actually brought forth before someone else to be judged because he they find out about all this killing humans and stealing magic and like, what, uh, so what are you doing at the moment? Excuse me, sir. Yeah. He says, oh, what? Nothing. Oh, don't worry about it. It's fine. It's all right. Just, uh, hey, what's that over there? Yeah. <laughs> and we meet the character called the Unconsumed who is on fire eternally, but not consumed, hence the name. And maybe we'll see him later on, Phil. Maybe. Uh, and I like this. I mean, I like anything, again, go back to the comics, I like anything that shows hell and mm, what, how it works. How it works and what they're all up to. So There's I a hierarchy wish. and there's an abbot and there's an yeah. order. And and the fact that you that he could get in trouble. Yeah, yeah, yeah. He <laughs> gets hell. told off. <laughs> yeah. And the descriptions of hell are very interesting as well. There's all these big buildings and spires. There's, it's not the just the labyrinth that we know of in Hellraiser Two. No, it's not, and it's not what I expected it to be. At no, all. me neither. It's just like a big barren wasteland with loads of cathedrals, cathedrals and big buildings and, and strange, the, the damned and demons are all riding around in rickshaws and bicycles. Yeah, there's like, and it's like a, it's like a whole society, a whole civilization, mm. where you just kind of live, yeah, or die, don't live. Yeah, the case maybe exist. It's no fun. That's what hell was supposed to be, isn't it? It's supposed to, you know, supposed to not want to go there. Don't go there. You have no fun. It's definitely not how I expected it to be. No. Um, and again, I don't know whether I'm wishing for something that would have ruined it, but I could have, I could have done with a bit more. 
kind of horrible gruesomeness in hell. My own personal preference yeah. <laughs> for horrible gruesomeness. Um, but it is, it seems like a real place, the way it's described. Yeah, definitely. Like it actually seems like a real civilization. Mm. I wasn't 100% sure when I first read it. <clears throat> I've done. I've read it a, a couple of times now, and and it, every time I enjoy it much more <laughs> with a different read. Okay. But when I first read it, I was a bit like, uh, okay, where's the labyrinth and where's the leviathan and what's going on and mm. hey, what? Where are we going with this? But then as it goes on, you sort of get much more into it, and it is more than just a maze and a big diamond in the sky. Yeah. As we find later on when we meet Lucifer. Yeah. So, I mean, this shows you how big the plot is. Mm. We get right there to yes, Lucifer himself. Yeah, absolutely. I love the fact that the narrative does flick from Harry to Pinhead. And it's not just about Harry and there's this villain. It's about, it is about Pinhead too. Yes. And what's going on in his life and what yeah. he's up to. And I think that's good. Um, I mean, it also kind of humanises him in a weird way, I think. It does, well, especially the dialogue. You've got some very human dialogue. Everything in the, the films is very clipped and specific. And in the book, he talks like a guy yeah. a lot of the time. Yeah. You know, he swears and he blasphemes and he just chats. Yeah. Which, I, again, I wasn't sure about the first time I read it. I was a bit like, um, this doesn't seem like... I can't necessarily hear Doug Bradley saying some of these lines, mm. but this is Clive's story. He's Clive's character, so you'd have to just go with it. And it's been a long time since the first film, so maybe Pinhead has changed over the years. And... Well, it's interesting because I guess it shows you how much he, or how little he sort of has looked at the films or used the films in terms of creating this character. Well, we know he's not a big fan from... At yeah. least from five onwards, he Absolutely. sort of hates them all. Um, but in the first film, obviously, was his, and you'd think that that character he created in that one. But then I suppose in the first film, he's just he's at work, isn't he? He's not just at home, <laughs> bossing around in hell and yeah. playing around with the other Cenobites and well, killing them all. But just existing in his own world, he's at work. He's gone to work. He has to be professional. He's got a job to do. You're coming with us, <laughs> and that's that's it. Possibly, Maybe that's yeah. the, and yeah. then when he's at home, he's like, oh, "That's better." That was a bit weird, wasn't it? When yeah. That girl summoned us <laughs> in that hospital. Yeah. So um, yeah, I mean, it makes perfect sense, really. Either way, it's Clive's decision, and we love him. So that's true good for you. That's true. <laughs> um, I think it, again, it's and it's sort of talking about fan service. I I don't feel like this book really goes for that fan service like there's so many things that i could think i of agree yeah all the way through where i thought you could just write something here clive and everyone would go oh my god oh my god yeah. it's it's pinhead he's doing that thing or he's doing and he completely steers away from all of that it's almost like this the story that he has here he yeah. wanted to tell mm. regardless of what has happened with this character with the world with the way people perceive Hellraiser as a franchise. Oh, definitely. He wants to get away from the franchise. Yeah, so... He said that on a few occasions. Mm, so it, it, he, this is very much a tale that was obviously burning away in his head. Um, because, yeah, he doesn't go for the, let's have the awesome uh, pinhead scene where everyone can go, mm. oh my God, and it's yeah. like the and film. Then the, then the chatterer turned up. <laughs> yeah. Hooray. Yeah. And he talked about, remember when we saw that Lady Julia? Yeah. No. yeah. Um, this is like when Frank Cotton escaped. Yeah. <laughs> oh. <laughs> but he's been talking about killing off Pinhead for a very long time. When he first talked about it, Pinhead was going to commit suicide in one of the early interviews from the 90s. Yeah. And when he's changed his mind about how Pinhead will die over the years. He's yeah. wanted to kill him for a long time. I wonder if, because I read the comic story, which does follow a very similar mm. path to this. Yeah. Whether that kind of start when I started reading the book, I was already kind of familiar a little bit with these concepts. Yeah, I I feel like you could be more shocked. Just to be clear, we're talking about the the Boom Studios. We are talking about now. the Boom yeah. uh, Studios comics. Yeah, sorry, um, yeah, but yeah, you know, you, it was it was almost like some of these things which I think he were intended to be quite like wow, you know, Pinhead's plan and stuff like that. Mm. I was kind of already there. I was like, yeah, it's true. You it know. is a bit similar. In... I, I was already in that mind frame that he yeah. was going to do that. And that's not a criticism, it's just a kind of like, oh, that's interesting, you know, it's a... I wonder 
how that came about, whether Clive thought, I'm not going to write this book, so I'm going to put this story out in the comics in some form or another. Or Maybe. whether they independently sort of came to a similar conclusion. I mean, it's a very different endgame, because in the comics yes. he wanted to get back up to Earth, basically. Yes, yes. And in the... In this book, he wants to find Lucifer and just find out what the hell's going on and try and get some more power. Yeah. The way he describes it in the book is his hopes of redemption and he wants to draw power and understanding from Lucifer. Yeah. So he's not trying to get back to Earth, definitely. No, absolutely. He um, wants to, you know, wipe every everyone out that might stop him, find the big guy and say, right, what's going on? I guess... You wouldn't necessarily, from the first movie or the first book, um, expect this character to be this kind of rebel, almost. No, I guess not. Um, it seems the exact opposite of what he's like. Yeah. Um, but yet, in the sort of both the comics, the Boom Studios comics, and, and this book have kind of gone down that path, which is just it's just interesting. Well, the third film, though, he's quite... Oh, God, yeah. <laughs> Take that out. No, no, it's interesting, but you're right. I mean, Clive wrote the first one. He, I think he helped to write the second one, or at least the story. Yeah. He wasn't as involved in the third one. Yeah. When it became clear that, hey, this let's do more about the guy with nails in his head. Yeah, because I kind of, I guess I feel like the third one, the sort of rebellious part of the third film was just because they wanted to uh, have a pinhead that yeah, could be in a, a franchise with yeah. no rules. Absolutely. So they could have just wanted to get rid of all the boxy, puzzly hell crap and be yeah. like, let's just have Pinhead as a slasher. Um, but yeah, you know, the the whole... the I guess this book deals a lot with what's going on in Pinhead's head. Yeah. <laughs> with, you know, mm-hmm. his motivations, what he wants. He wants power, he wants answers, he wants to be uh, up there in the yeah. pantheon of hell. Here's something interesting that I've been thinking about. Um, in the films, it's never really clear what hell means, whether it's the the Christian hell or yeah. it's just a place you go to that's called hell. Mm-hmm. Whereas in this, it's obviously the Christian hell because it's Lucifer. It's talking about the yes. devil who was an angel yeah. with God and was sent down, created, tried to create a second heaven that became hell. Mm-hmm. And now he's in hell. And everyone that dies goes there. Yep. And there's just a bit of it that is involved with the puzzle box and going back to Earth and taking people and making them yeah. into Cenobites. But how does the puzzle box work in the Christian version of Heaven and Hell? I don't know. This is what that's I'm getting hell, at. Is, yeah, hell of just taking sure. people. Do they, do they work together? I mean, there's no reason why they shouldn't. And but there it, are lots of rules and things. It doesn't, yeah. But like in in this, it's sort of people don't have to be bad, not to be killed and taken to hell. No, it's interesting. Mm. So anyway, back in the real world, Harry and Norma get together, and Harry gets help from his friend Kaz, Kaz King, who is the guy that put all the tattoos on him. Yep. Who obviously has knowledge of magical things and the occult. Mm-hmm. He's a tattoo artist. He's covered in them as well. Mm. And they need somewhere safe to stay, so Kaz gets his friend Lana, and they're going to go to her place to stay there, because she's got an apartment in New York, and everything will be fine once yes. they're safe there. Because Norma doesn't feel safe, so they meet in this, and again, another underground sex dungeon. <laughs> of course. Which is underneath a psychiatrist's office, where they first met, where Harry and Norma first met. And that's nice. another nice little flashback, where there's this... The psychiatrist's brother's ghost is trashing the place. Yeah. They all think it's Norma doing it. Yeah. She's going, stop it, stop it. And um, that's how they first met. Because Harry was there because of his trauma he'd seen when his friend got burned alive by the masturbating demon. Yes. Which Uh, would be traumatic. (laughs) Which would be traumatic. So they meet there and they're on the way to Lana's place when who turns up but Dale. Mm Mm-hmm. And then Pinhead. (laughs) Yeah. Randomly. And Dale's there because he dreamt it. Again, yeah. he had this yeah. dream, go to New York, be at this particular spot, this particular time, and he goes, hello, yeah. here I am. Yeah. And then Pinhead turns up, and now we get Pinhead's plan with Harry. Yeah. He wants Harry to be his witness and write his story and write his gospel. Yes. Hence the title, the Scarlet Gospel. Harry's Gospel. Harry's Gospel. <laughs> uh, so Harry says no. 
Yeah. So Pinhead steals Norma. Mm. And goes into hell. Yeah. And now we have basically the plot for the second half. Is yeah. the chase. Get her back. Get her back. Go to hell. Go to hell. And so here we are in hell. We have gone to hell. Yeah. And the second half of the book pretty much is take, takes place in hell. Yeah. Which is cool. Yeah. Very cool. Mm-hmm. We have lots of different places we visit and the Bastion of Tyeth, where there's a, a, some kind of regime who are in charge, but mm. they're not really, and they're worried about this guy, Pinhead, who's killed all his Cenobites. He turns up, slaughters them all. Yeah. And Harry and his harrowers turn up as well. Yeah. And like, oh, hang on, everyone's dead. That's not, that's not cool. Mm. What happened here? This is where there's the fantastic moment where there's this archway that's a bit like a weird portal slash TV. Mm. They're looking at into it, and they can they put a cane into it, and they swirl it one way, and it sort of goes somewhere else, and the other way, and they put it in and out, and it zooms in. It's really cool. Yeah, it is really cool. Bit. Yeah, it's like a liquid screen yeah. that they can play with. <laughs> yeah, it's very good. And they see Pinhead, and he's holding a severed head. He holds up to his ear as if. That's like an alarm signal is telling them that they're there. Yeah. <laughs> That's great. I mean, it's so weird. It is. It <laughs> is very abstract, but very cool. And then Pinhead arrives at, at Lucifer's place. Yeah. So he finds these demons, the Azil, who take them across the lake to the island where the cathedral is. And they talk about this this creature. There's a creature in the lake, Phil. Yeah. The Quo'oto. 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 Who uh, is this huge whale millipede with a human mouth? <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Who's just terrifying, and if you make any noise, he'll eat you. <laughs> and also, they have to sacrifice some of the Azil to get across. Yeah. Well, that's when they get to Harry. Yeah. But Harry arrives, they take him across as well, mm-hmm. and they have to sacrifice some of their own number to placate the Quoto to get to the other side. Yeah. And this is all just mad, isn't it? It's, I mean, yeah, this is nuts. just absolutely it's barking mad. Absolutely nuts, and it's amazing. Uh, and this is the sort of stuff that I could see Clyde Barker painting. Yeah, yeah. I could yeah, see yeah. him painting this kind of thing because it's just massive and mm-hmm. crazy. Yeah, I agree. <laughs> it's brilliant. And then we get to Lucifer's place. Yeah. And Harry and his friends follow him inside. They find Norma. That's all fine. She's okay. Yeah, she's all right. Actually, she's not okay. Sorry. That's a complete lie. He beat the crap out of her. But she's not dead. She's not dead. But there's a really horrible moment, which I don't know if I like or not, where Pinhead just beats her up. He punches and kicks her mm. until she pretty much dies. And then she manages to possess Lana briefly and talk about what's happened. Yeah. But the scene where he's just beating her up. Yeah. It's very nasty and it doesn't feel to me like pinhead i mean he is he does come across i mean this sounds utterly ridiculous but he does come across as very nasty in this story yes but do you know what i mean like not not so much that kind of calm cool collective in the books everyone um sorry i mean in the films everyone kind of loves him he's like uh yeah you can't like him in this book i don't think i love that pinhead guy you're like no not here yeah this is not he's pretty horrible but a bit more realistic to what he is. Well, I guess so. I mean, he's really... He's really bad. He's a really bad man. He is bad. He is. He's, he's not good. So, yeah, she's not dead, but she's severely beaten up, which Harry is not happy about. No. So Harry follows Pinhead to go and see where he's gone, and there they discover Lucifer. Yeah, in uh, an interesting contraption. Yeah, that he's made to kill himself, basically a huge suicide machine yeah so and it's sort of he has to be pierced isn't it like, yeah he's, so he's, he's wearing armor but he has to be pierced by all these spears that are connected to this huge machine so that he can't sort of it's the only resurrect. way that he can die because mm. he's had enough and he wants to die yeah because he doesn't want to be away from the presence of God or... yeah he's so upset about the fact that he was banished and he doesn't want to be down in hell and he's yeah he's had enough yeah and he just wants to end it all but he can't because he's an angel and this is the only way he can kill himself which is a brilliant idea yeah mm. really really like that it's really um, interesting because I think yeah I think 
that had me where I was thinking, right, he's going to find Lucifer. What's Lucifer going to be doing? And yeah. what's he going to have to say about all this? But the fact that he's just dead. Dead. And he's been dead for ages. Yeah, it's just amazing. Um, so then you have Pinhead going, right, I'm having this. Yeah, well, and, first uh, he just he doesn't know what's going on. He's not happy to start with that no. there's going to be no answers for him. Yeah. So he pu- he starts pulling out the, the spears. He gets a shock of energy from each one. Which at first, he, the first one knocks him off his feet, and then he realises that he might be able to use this. Mm. And then he takes Lucifer's armour off mm. and puts it on himself. Which is a kind of cool image. Well, it's an, a wonderful moment because it doesn't fit him. Yeah. And he's got to cut himself. Well, he's already cut himself outside to get in through the door, but he's got to basically cut bits of his flesh off, bits of his muscle to, yeah. so it fits him it's great he's looking at it going right that's no I'm a bit too bad hang on I'll take that bit off there get, get rid of those love handles <laughs> boom um, that, that's wonderful because also he says that Harry sees his bones and he, they're all scratched and marked as yeah. well yeah <laughs> little details like that so he puts on Lucifer's armour yeah goes back up to because also a huge army of demons have arrived mm-hmm. led by the unconsumed yeah because they don't they don't want him causing trouble no he turns up saying, I'm dressed as Lucifer. I'll be your god now. I'll be Lucifer now. And he brings Lucifer's dead, naked body up as well to say, look, see, there he is. He's dead. Mm-hmm. And then Lucifer wakes up and says, well, actually, mm. I'm not. And I'm not happy about this. And I thought all. I killed myself. And you've ruined it. Mm-hmm. And there's a massive fight between Pinhead and Lucifer, which obviously sounds incredibly one-sided. But because Pinhead has spent years and years getting every single piece of magic he can find from the human world, mm. and he's got the power of Lucifer's own armour, the fight is quite... Well, we we think to start with that it is quite equal. They're quite well matched. Mm. And the fight's amazing, and Harry's like, right, we should leave. But just when he goes to leave, Pinhead has so much power in him, he manages to freeze Harry so he has to watch the fight because he wants him to write about it afterwards yeah so the rest of the Harrows are told to leave and Harry can't move he's got to stay there and watch and there's a big fight and Pinhead appears to win yeah and I mean I genuinely thought he had won when I first read yeah, it yeah absolutely of course and Lucifer's just about to die and then so he, his, this is a bit ambiguous whether Lucifer was about to die and then managed to bring himself back or if I don't think he was ever in any danger of dying he was seeing what was going to happen yeah, that's kind that's of how what I, I think took about from it. it. Yeah, and he sort of gets beaten up nearly to death. And he's like, "Okay, right, that's enough now." Yeah, <laughs> I mean, he says enough. Yeah. Grabs Pinhead, pulls him up, and says, "You're a prick, mate," and I'm going to put a stop to this. Which is really like h- horrible for Pinhead in terms of it's just so embarrassing. It is. It's like one of those moments where you're just like, oh he my he's won. God. I've won, I've won. And then, and he's, then like, he's literally like, you are nothing. Actually, I'm an angel. Yeah, So exactly. <laughs> um, so horrible from all this kind of build up. Yeah. And the best way to dispatch Pinhead is he rips his nails out. Yes. And iconic. shots one through his throat to kill him. Very iconic. And that is, that felt like one of those moments I was talking about where mm-hmm. Clive was like, okay, fans. Yeah, we'll do something here that you're all gonna go. <laughs> oh my god! About and then he breaks Pinhead, leaves him to die. And Lucifer is not impressed, and no. he decides to basically destroy Hell. Yeah. So Harry's been released from his spell because Pinhead is completely wiped out. So he manages to run off, find the other Harrowers. So Dale and Kaz go off to get help from the Azil, whereas Harry and Lana stay to look after Norma because she's not in the best of states. No, Lesser. no. And then who turns up but Pinhead, broken, bloodied, and mm, messed and up. He's got one final nasty trick to play. Mm. And he blinds Harry yeah. using magic. Mm. He just stops his eyes from working. And then Harry passes out. Yep. And when he comes to, Lana finds him, discovers that something also rather nasty has happened to Norma. Yeah. Pinhead has basically raped her to death. Which is pretty horrific. <laughs> Which is quite nasty. She's not quite dead, but she dies pretty soon afterwards. Yeah. Um, yeah. So that's... Horrible. Horrible. And just before she dies, she basically says to Harry, you now have my gifts. You have to carry on the work 
that I started. Mm. You be the guide for the dead. Off you go. Bye. <laughs> and then it's a bit more poetic than that in yeah, the book. <laughs> a little bit. But that's a lovely moment, and it is, it's quite sad and quite touching. Yeah. Um, and I thought, when I first read this, that it was going to be a temporary blindness. Yeah. His eyes will come back, and then by the end of it, I was like, oh shit, that's, that's, yeah. that's genuine, that's proper. That is for real. And also at this point, Lucifer decides to completely smash up hell. Yes. So he goes fishing. Yeah. Fishes the koto out of the lake. <laughs> And races it to the ceiling, because hell has a ceiling made the, of stone. The sky is stone. The sky is stone. And he smashes the Koroto into the ceiling, into the sky ceiling. And hell collapses insane. all around them. Absolutely what insane. What the hell? Yeah. <laughs> what the hell? And then Lucifer escapes to the, the land of men. Yeah. The Koroto's dead, falls back down again. And the Azil lady talked about wormholes and so the harrowers know there's some way of getting home they're not quite sure where but they work it out because a piece of the sky stone passes by them the size of a car and then just disappears yeah without crashing it's like oh where did that go well let's go over there and find out uh-huh. and that turns out to be their way back to earth just yeah. as hell is collapsing around them lucky yeah i love this this bit it's amazing <laughs> and then they're back back to earth again yeah and then you've got a really weird scene where they meet this reverend in his car yeah so they're in arizona they get picked up by this huge car with a reverend in it and his sort of assistant and yep. a driver mm-hmm. and they're on their way doing a, a tour and uh he, they're not very impressed and he's he's fine it seems the reverend's all right with the fact that they're carrying a dead woman and they're covered in blood and one yeah. of them is recently blinded i think it's very offended by the fact that kaz and dale are both gay and are holding hands yeah. Now there's a definite agenda going on here. <laughs> Clive's definitely saying something at this point. Certainly. Um and yeah, this this is just kind of a such a kind of gear change. Yeah, it kind of comes out of nowhere scene. this scene. Um but yeah. So he's not happy with them being gay and so they kick him out basically and steal the car. Yeah. So it's a bit like fear and loathing in Las Vegas this <laughs> this scene. Yeah. They nick the car and drive back to New York. Yeah. All good. Yeah, so now Harry goes back to his office. They clear it out with the help of Kaz and his friends. Um, way in the future, Kaz and Dale are married and they've settled down. And Harry's taken over Norma's job and he's going to go and move into her place. And basically, because she owned a lot of property and was loaded, it turns out. And so she's given all her money to Harry. So he's fine in terms of money. Now we have just the wrap up scenes. So Lucifer, which we didn't quite mention, Lucifer first gets trapped under his sky ceiling stones and then manages to get out when a couple of angels turn up and are like, what's going on here then? Mm. Oh, yeah. What's this? He turns up, kills them, and then floats off to the land of men, meets a woman, she falls in love with him. Mm. And that's it, really. That's what we see of him. He's he's at large yeah, he's, in the world somewhere. He's off to make trouble. Which I think is amazing. Yeah. It's such a good idea. Mm. He's around somewhere. He's not sure what he's going to do. Mm-hmm. He's going to just find out. Meanwhile, Pinhead wakes up he's completely smashed up and battered there are earthquakes everywhere he falls collapses again and basically he just gives up he thinks well that's it now yeah and he manages to slip away that's the end he dies and that is the end end. of tinhead that's the last we're going to see of him it is in book form in book form by clive barker by clive barker (laughs) and then the very end is harry in his office and Kaz's friends find the box, which he didn't think was going to be there. Mm. So now we've got the old god was going to happen. But all it does is open a small doorway to hell, which doesn't really exist anymore because there's nothing there. And he gets Kaz to kick the box into hell. Door closes. And that's it. Wrap Ooh, up. Easy. End of story. And it ends with Harry welcoming the dead into his life so we can help them out. Yeah. Mm. And that's that. Yeah. So it's a it's a huge story, but well, not it, but not big. <laughs> yeah, yeah. No, in terms of uh, <clears throat> scope and scale, and what happens to the characters. Yeah, and I kind of uh, was prepared for more of a a smaller tale, a kind of more yeah, you know, not this huge epic 
you know, the whole of hell being destroyed type thing. No, so I that know. did take me by surprise. Yeah, me too. Absolutely. And I was a little bit kind of overwhelmed when I was first reading it, just going, I'm, I'm trying to wrap my mind I around was. this these now, huge concepts. Let's talk about something else now, because there's been a lot of discussion about it in the past, for the last 20 years or so. And Clive Barker himself said there were going to be quite a few things in it that didn't end up being in it. Yeah. So some people found it a little disappointing that there were all this stuff was mentioned and none of it was in the book and it was half as long as it was going to be originally. Uh-huh. And I've got to say, when I first read it, I was a bit like, oh, where's this? Oh, is that okay? That's, that's what's happening now? Mm. But um, I've reread it twice since and love it to bits. I think it's great. And anyone who's only read it once and wasn't sure, then do reread yeah, it. It's definitely go. worth it. Have another go. But to go through just briefly what he said was going to be in it that wasn't, uh, in the 90s he was talking about doing a Harry Pinhead short story, and in 2004 he said it was going to have Jesus in it, mm-hmm. or if not Jesus, Joseph of Arimathea, who brought the Holy Grail to Cornwall, I think. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, so it's going to have some proper old religious stuff in it. And then in 2005 he said he was going to involve Pinhead meeting Harry when Harry was a little boy. 12 or 13 years old in a Catholic school. Mm-hmm. So I was going to go when he first met Pinhead. We didn't get any of that in this version. No. For all we know in, in this book, this first time I've met is when they meet yeah. in New Orleans. So in 2006, again, Jesus was going to be in it. On the way to get Norma, Harry was going to see a vision of Jesus on the cross, go into the vision, have a chat with him. And then there's the whole dichotomy of Jesus with thorns in his head and Pinhead with nails in his head and mm. how that's a bit similar. And Jesus was like, bring him to me, I'll sort him out, don't worry. Which again is a very interesting idea. Yeah. And then even more recent, in 2012, he was talking about, he mentions Harry and Pinhead on a trek back to the nativity. <laughs> and the year after, in 2013, he even mentioned Bethlehem on the night of the nativity. So a he, nativity story. A nativity story. It was going to go back to the birth of Jesus. <laughs> What? That would have been <laughs> what insane. How? I don't understand how that could have even fit in. Yeah, that would have been crazy. So there was a lot more Jesus in it to start with. There was more Jesus. Uh, and also, apparently, it's, it was at 250,000 words at one point, and it's mm. about 100,000 now. So it's over half the size of it was at one point. Mm. And I think it's really interesting, you know, bearing in mind what happened to Clive with his health mm. and just him as an artist changing over the years i think it's really interesting to see how he could lose half the book and go i don't want that anymore yeah i don't want any of that stuff in it anymore yeah yeah it's um, interesting yeah you know what whatever it was about this story that he wanted to tell he managed to <laughs> tell it well he he seems to have got rid of all the jesus stuff mm. that's all gone which he was quite vocal about for a, a long time so that, I wonder why. This mm, must be a that reason. would be really interesting to find out. Unless the editors or the publishers said this is just too long, you've got to cut, get, take a half out of it, and I'll publish it, <clears throat> which seems a weird thing to say. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. And I think I can't, I don't know, but I can't imagine that he would bother producing it if it wasn't what he wanted it to be. Yeah, I agree. Yeah, if, um, if, if, if he, he wanted say, to do the whole book and they said that, he would have said, "Well, no, you can't have it." Then sod it. We won't do it. Then I agree. Yeah. Um, but uh, we don't know. So it'd be great to see an interview with him where you could, mm. you know, he could maybe go into this a little bit because I think it's really interesting just to see his process, where he's come from, how this story's changed over the years and why so much of it kind of hit the floor and that was it. Well, let's pop over to... We'll go and Angeles ask him. And we'll if he's listening him. to this. Hey, Clive, we love you. Please call. chat to us. <laughs> Thanks. Chat to us at HellraiserCast. <laughs> um, so what did you think then? I like it. Like I said, I wasn't sure the first time I read it. I think partly it was going, where's all this other stuff? And this isn't what I was expecting. Pinhead's not acting like I thought he would act. And it's not like the Pinhead from the films. And all this I was going in my head as I was sort of so excited when it first came out. I was sort of racing through it going... <laughs> yeah. And, but then I've reread it since, taken some time to think about it. So actually, I think it's quite a good thing we didn't, didn't do a podcast last May... Yeah. It would have been a bit like, uh, yeah, I liked it. Because like, yeah. I did like it. I think there's some fantastic stuff in it. Oh, yeah. But I wasn't sure about some of the choices made. But now I've reread it twice and I just, I absolutely adore it. I think it's great. There's it some is. Fantastic stuff in there. 
and it really I think yeah I think it doesn't do what I thought it was going to do no on any level um so at first I was kind of like not disappointed in any way but just kind of like oh this is not how I thought it was going to be I think I was a bit like a petulant child going that's not what Pinhead would do (laughs) obviously it is Um, because it's Life's invention. Absolutely. And yeah, but it, it it's kind of delivered so much more really mm. in, ultimately. Um but like you said earlier on, it, it there's a lot of moments where it touches on something that could be explored in another book. Yeah. And the more you can sort of think about it and you can fill in the gaps in your own brain, the scope of the story is just huge. Yeah, and I think, you know, when you're putting together a story like this, it must have been in his head sort of the expectations of people and, and not wanting to have us going through the story going, I know what's going to happen mm. and uh, this is kind of how I want it to be. This is how I like it. You know, he, yeah. he he's going to do it his way. Yeah. Uh, and it is quite a fantastic thing. It's it's very good. If you haven't read it, well, we've just completely ruined it. Sorry Wrecked about that. it for you. But read it again <laughs> if you have read it. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. Um I think as well, something else that was quite interesting was it felt like a different style of writing in some yeah. part, parts. Like mm-hmm. uh, it didn't feel as familiar to me as uh, some of his other stuff in terms of um, the way it was written. I don't know how else to explain it. Yeah, I think a little different mean. in parts, not not through the whole thing. Um, but it, w- I mean, I guess you could in some. Maybe that's because it had been put together over such a long period of time. I'm not sure. Maybe I'm not sure. Um, but certainly we know that Clive has kind of changed as a person, I think, from everything that's happened yeah, to him. I think you so. Know, um, and maybe some of the stuff in this book reflects that. Mm. One last thing I'll say is I feel a bit sorry for all the American readers because I'm looking here at the first edition I bought and the front cover is gorgeous. Yeah. It's beautiful. And the American one isn't, isn't as nice. Sorry, guys. It's a shame. If you haven't seen the uh, UK cover, which is a, a painting, blood-spattered painting of a pinhead, it's a bit sort of abstract, and oh, it's gorgeous. Check it out. Very nice. Here it is. That bit of foley there. There we are. There's a book. Oh, there it is. Um, so, yeah, overall, we loved Great. it. Yeah. It's awesome. It uh, doesn't let you sit there going, oh, this is the way I want it to be. It challenges you. Mm. And is epic. It is. Hugely epic. And it's taken Clive 20 years to write it. Uh, yeah. And he's finally got got it down and out there. Now he can go back to Aberat or whatever he wants to do next. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Uh, I mean, you know, yeah. I, I just hope yeah. he writes more. Yes, please, Clive. More Thank you. things. And if you do want to write another Pinhead book... You could do a, a prequel. You could do a prequel. <laughs> Even if you just wanted to bring him back from the dead again, I'll be happy... I'll, I'll Don't read worry. it. I'll, I'll read it. <laughs> Brilliant. Thank you very much, Clive. So that's the end of our conversation about the Scarlet Gospels. We're now going to talk about Hellraiser Judgment, or what it might be. So if you don't want to know anything about Judgment, then stop listening now. If that's you, then thank you very much, and we'll see you soon. Take care. Bye. 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 Right. But for the rest of you... You still here? Yeah. Okay. Now, um, after the last Hellraiser film, I, uh, <clears throat> which was so good and amazing, <laughs> I'm full of anticipation for this new movie. Ah. Oh, no, wait a minute. Sorry. Uh, I mean, I, what I mean is the exact opposite of what I just yeah. said. Now, this one is written and directed by Gary Tunnicliffe, who yes. has done some fantastic special effects in a lot of the films. Yeah, amazing. He did write Revelations. Yes. But he has also said it wasn't how he wanted it and how the finished film doesn't really reflect his original script yes so let's go with that for now we're gonna be something optimistic. happened when they made the film some choices were made the script was changed and it wasn't quite what he wanted but he's written and directed this new one or is, is directing at the moment it's currently filming so this all broke out because heather langenkamp said oh i'm doing a new hellraiser film and then the internet went, uh, what? Yeah, I, I kind of feel like she wasn't supposed to say that. And then <laughs> no, accidentally kind of... put on Twitter that she yeah. was doing the new Hellraiser film. And everyone went, yes, I'm sorry, yes, we are making a new one. Yeah, and then Gary went, oh, yes, oh. hello, I'm making a film. Hello. So uh, all this information I'm about to say is in much more detail online. If you go to our Facebook page or our Twitter feed, it's all there. I've put all the links up. But basically, they've confirmed it. Gary Tunnicliffe has said, yep, I'm doing a new film, yep. Hellraiser film. It's called Judgment. 
Probably. It's, probably. It's based on an idea called Judgment he was going to do. Yeah. Originally. And he said, uh, Doug Bradley is not in it. Yes. And then now here's... falling out. This is, a, this, this is a bit weird. We're not quite sure why. But turns out, Gary Tunnicliffe said, we sent the script to Doug Bradley, or we're going to. We asked him to sign a... What's it called? Non-disclo- non-disclosure agreement. Non-disclosure agreement that says, I won't share this with anyone or show anyone. And he refused to sign it. Yeah. And Doug said, they asked, they sent me this thing and told me I wasn't allowed to talk about it anywhere. And I said I wouldn't sign it. And that's it. Uh, yeah. Which, it seems really strange to me. Yeah. Now, Doug put something on his Facebook page, which is also we've got a link to on our one where he was really angry about this and said, I can't believe they wanted me to sign this thing and they can't trust me to read a script and this is unacceptable and blah, 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 and I'm not going to do it. And Gary was like, but everyone has to do these, don't they? Yeah, I mean, he kind of, in his response that Gary put out there, it kind of seemed like Doug thought that he may actually be held accountable for the cash Mm. that he, you know, like a million dollars or whatever. Well, yeah. Um, But I think these things are kind of, it's more of just a so don't tell anyone about it. Yeah, you know what I mean. I I don't know. I, I it is it's the odd thing. It's the standard sort of thing. And the way that he responded to Gary was quite seemed quite hot. Yeah, it was. Um, it was quite quite strong. It's quite strongly worded. I'm looking at it now, and it ends with saying, "Anyway, short story. A new movie is happening. And I have nothing to do with it. I was unable to make a decision about it because I was not allowed to read the script." Unlike Revelations, where I made a conscious decision not to do the movie based on the motives for making it and the poor quality of the script. Yeah. So, um, yeah, it's it's such a shame. So that's, anyway, Doug's not going to be Pinhead. And uh, that's that's the end of that. Yeah. Really. Such a shame. Gary was talking about it. There's a brief synopsis that's come out. So Gary has said that he knows he can never make a film as good as the first two Hellraisers. But he thinks he's got a fun script and an opportunity to make something good and amazing and he thinks will enjoy it and it's got lots of blood in it. So he's yeah. basically saying, just bear with me, just have a go, give it a chance, it'll be fun. Yeah. Then Fangoria released a the casting breakdown, which is very interesting. Now, here's, this is where it gets a bit spoilerific, so again, if you don't want to hear anything, then... Yeah, this and this does reveal everything. <laughs> yeah. So we won't go through all of it. No. But the basic storyline, it says, Detectives Sean and David Carter are on the case to find a gruesome serial killer terrorising the city. Joining Sounds forces, familiar. Sounds familiar. Joining forces with the d- detective Christine Egerton, they dig deeper into a spiralling maze of horror that may not be of this world. Yeah. Could the judgement awaiting the killer's victims also be waiting for Sean? No. Yes. Yes. Probably. So you've got a breakdown of roles here, including the human roles. Then you've got the auditor... Which is the kind of pinhead figure? Kind of. Well, Maybe. pinhead's going to be in it, I think, isn't he? As well. Oh, as well. Well, I mean, I'm guessing pinhead is... The guy playing pinhead is playing pinhead. Oh, the right. Order, I, thought, I think I someone know. else. Male 40 to 60. And we know mm. the guy playing it isn't that. We'll yes. get to in a moment. Clearly not this earth. He learns of his sins, your transgressions, your evils, takes careful note of them before passing them to the assessor for judgment. Think of him more as an accountant from hell. Mm-hmm. And then you've got, so there's the assessor, who isn't mentioned here, actually, in the breakdown of script, of, of roles. Maybe that's Pinhead, under a different name. Who knows? Uh, you've got the jury, females, early 20s, three naked, perfectly beautiful girls. <laughs> I wonder how he decided. Great, <laughs> how great casting. Happen. Yeah. Uh, they've been shredded away, their faces are shredded away, blood, bone, muscle, sinew and teeth exposed. Mm. Lovely. There's quite a lot of... Um, Nudity involved in these breakdowns. There's nudity. There's it's some um, 65 plus the naked ladies. 65 plus female ladies, terrifying aging naked women who clean bodies for punishment by licking them from head to toe. What? Nudity required. What? As it says for the jury. What? So there's going to be nudity in it, definitely. Um, You've also got the a butcher, huge behemoth of a man. With a giant scythe. Mm. He's got, you've got the surgeon. surgeon. It says here, the skinniest guy we can find. A full or partial lower limb amputee. Either a dancer or martial arts expert. Or perhaps even a full or partial lower limb amputee giving a real road warrior feel. That is so specific. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> he's lowered on a harness, Mission Impossible style. 
With surgical precision, he vivisects Watkins on the gruesome operating table. Spoilers. So there you go. That's the end. <laughs> uh, yeah, so. Um, so, yeah. I'm... Yeah. Go on. Just uh, there's some more nudity up here. <laughs> One of the fe- the uh, human characters, Alison Carter, female. Sean's perfect, adoring wife. But there's something wrong with her husband. And then it says, topless slash partial nudity, simulated sex. Goodness. So he's all, he's all about that, isn't he? Sex and death. Yeah, that's what you need in a Hellraiser film. That's what you need to sell. Um, so, and you can find out a bit more about this by going because this was kickstarted originally. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Gary as, as Tunnicliffe. just a film called Judgment. Yeah, and he wanted to make it a long time ago. So you can go to his Kickstarter page; it's still there, and it's got a an actual um, little video, a teaser video that he made, a tester. So you can actually see some of these people without mm. skin on their faces, and yeah, and the assessor, mm-hmm. as it is, a sort of different version of Pinhead. And then more recently, a new post came up with some of the casting decisions, including who's going to be the new pinhead. Mm. And it's a guy called Paul T. Taylor, who has been in films such as Sin City and Super, both of which are great films. Yep. So if you want to check him out, that's who he is. Also, Detective Sean Carter is played by Damon Carney, who's been in The Veil and The Hitcher. Anyways, and some more people that I don't really know who they are, but I'm going to do some more research and find out about them. Yep. Someone else was also in The Veil. So our friend here who's taking over the role of Pinhead, is this the Poison Chalice? Because... Well, I don't know. I mean... You know, it didn't work out very well for the last guy. But he wasn't very good. He wasn't very if good. this guy's great, then at least people will say, oh, I wish it was Doug Bradley, but he was okay. Which is the best you can hope for, I think, at this stage. It's difficult, isn't it? It's They'll either of... say he was crap, or it's a shame it wasn't Doug Bradley, but he was all right. Yeah. I mean, it's it's a really difficult one where you sort of think, should they make one without Pinhead? Well, that's the question. But from a marketing point of view, yeah. there's no way they would do that. Yeah, exactly. Uh, and then, But one last thing I'll just say here is it also says, we've also learned, this is, by the way, this is from a bloody, bloody disgusting website. It also says... We've also learned that special effects specialist Mike J. Regan will once again portray Chatterer. Oh! There's Chatterer coming Chattering away. Nice. So there we go. And Heather Langkamp's playing a chain-smoking landlady. Yeah, (laughs) so she's going to be a little cameo part, I expect. So that is pretty much all we know so far. If you want the full information is online, go to our Facebook page or our Twitter feed and you can find all the links to all the stuff. There's a lot more details than we've gone through there. Yeah. But, uh, yeah, have a look, check it out. How are you feeling about this, Phil? About this new film, Hellraiser 10? Um, I really want another Hellraiser film, and I'm excited, but I'm also a bit not enthused no. after the last one. So I'm nervous. I'm oh, nervous, I'll tell yes. you that. Cautiously optimistic. Yep. I would really like it to be good, and I wish them all the success in the world mm-hmm. to make it good. I agree. Um, but I... I'm not that taken with the concept, the story. Sounds very familiar. And, yeah, nothing about it is making me excited right now. Okay. But I'm ready to be excited. Mm-hmm. I'm ready to be excited, everyone. Good. I'm looking forward to that. Yeah. I am I am excited just because it's good. a Hellraiser film. That's good. And uh, why not? Let's do it. Let's have another one. Let's, Let's have, have loads more. more. Ah, more, more. It is a shame that Doug Bradley's not playing Pin, and it seems quite a silly thing to fall out about. But that's just me. What do I know? Yeah, uh, I guess I don't know. It's, it's it just seems mm. weird, doesn't it? But they've mm. both put their opinion in on it. Yeah. Um, Gary and Doug both have put out there online what they said. Um, well, Doug did do it first, I think, and then Gary said, yeah, and then well, Gary this sort of went, actually... I asked him to do this, and then he replied saying this, and I thought that was a bit weird, but there we go. Yeah, so uh, that is a shame, but, um, yeah, you know, do I want there to be a brilliant new Hellraiser film? Of course, yeah. and I want this to be it. I want this to kickstart everything back off again, mm. and, um, uh, yeah, I hope I they have more than a week to film it, and <laughs> they yeah, take their time and... Come on, do it properly, guys. Do it well. Come on. Do it well. Um, we'll, be, we'll be there watching it day one. I mean, it's interesting that he was trying to get it made ages ago, and then suddenly now it's being made yeah. properly. Mm. I mean, he was trying to get kicks. He was trying to, what, what was it, like £190,000 he wanted on his Kickstarter. Mm. Um, so, yeah, you know, I wonder what Which is happened what, about there. 
uh, $300,000, something like that, maybe, yeah. I think. Can't quite work it out. But, um, yeah, not, not a huge amount. No, so I'm presuming there were other film. funds that were well, going to be put into it. Well, is it one of those moments it? where they've realised they have to make another film to hold on to the rights? Is it one yeah, of that, that's what I'm worried about. I hope not. They have and to make a Hellraiser film. So, oh, he's done this script that's a bit Hellraiser-y. Let's give him that. Because he obviously wrote the last one and wanted to direct it, but they didn't let him. Yeah. Which is interesting. Yeah. And now they are. Mm. So, hopefully, you know, he's been able to sort of show his passion and they've said well he can't do any worse than the last guy <laughs> they've, they've said look we need someone maybe they've gone down the route of saying we need someone who understands this yeah, world maybe. and so on and so forth um we'll see yeah we'll see let's wait and see let's let's be and optimistic we'll more information as it comes out if you want to yeah keep on to our facebook and twitter pages and we'll any information that comes out we will share and we'll let you know and i shall send good vibes yeah, good, good vibes, vibes to them. They're filming Cause... it right now. Right so... now, it's happening. Someone mm. is dressed up like Pinhead somewhere. Wow. Right now. You could say that at any time. Quite a few times. Yeah. yeah, quite a few people. In fact, we both are right now as well. Yeah, exactly. As always. But I've got to burn, reattach my pins. Yeah. Thank you very much for listening. Again, apologies for being away so long. We're going to try and do this much more regularly. Again, we always say that, but we are going to try. <laughs> Trying our best. Uh, so busy. I know, it's a bit crazy. Uh, so, thank you, Phil. Thank you, Peter. And thank you all for listening. Join us online, Facebook and Twitter. We're around. Yep. And we will see you all very soon with our next podcast. Yeah. Thank you very much. Take care. Bye. Bye. Bye.